0: Hello, I'm Craig Constantine.
1: And I'm Caitlin Pontrella.
0: And this is Parkour, they said. Caitlin Pontrella is an architectural designer and illustrator based in New York City. She is co founder of The Movement Creative, a social enterprise dedicated to improving the lives of others through movement education and design. Caitlin directs the Art of Retreat, an annual education and leadership conference for parkour, and the North American Women's Parkour Gathering, an annual gathering for women practitioners. Welcome, Caitlin. Hi, Craig. All right, so let's start off by talking about the movement creative, and I know that one of the things that it does is teach just regular parkour classes, what most people think of when they think of parkour classes, but I know that you also do a lot more, so maybe give us uh, a couple of examples of what the movement creative is really about.
1: Sure, so... Yeah, we, we started out um, very focused on parkour because that was all of our backgrounds, me and the two other founders, uh, Nikki and Jesse. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we kind of grew in our community and really wanted to start uh, getting older generations moving um, and teenagers moving and realizing that um, parkour had a bit of a disconnect due to its kind of stigma by the media. Um, We've right. been moving more towards the arena of play and natural movement.
0: Give me an example of uh, a project, something that you're working on now. Um, you and I before had been talking about Movement Snacks, I believe it was.
1: Mm-hmm. So Movement Snacks is this uh, small little project Jesse and I started. Um, and it's basically uh, these little invitations to play that we put into parks, public spaces, or even uh, schools, which is where we have started that project. Um, and uh, an example of a Movement Snack would be um, maybe there's a painted line on a curb and, uh, uh, some words saying, can you balance here without falling off Okay. or next to a bench saying, how many different ways can you get over me? Um, so they get, again, tucked away in plain sight and people might come across them as they're walking. Uh, there's no rules as to like who uses right. it and it's kind of a question, can you do this? And, right. um, All of these snacks, these like really tiny little opportunities to deviate from your everyday, um, they're always designed to be super accessible. And so what we're trying to do is find new forms of like new forms and ways we can invite people to play. And that's like the movement snack idea. It's, you know, you're walking by and you're invited to balance. You're invited to climb um, or to whatever it is, jump. Um, But... Without those invitations, a lot of people, there's like a social stigma to play, especially as you get older. You know, it's the whole idea of, you know, quit playing around, get back to work. Uh, You know, these like little phrases that even penetrate our everyday life that affect Mm -hmm. the way we perceive movement, perceive ourselves in relation to play. Um, So we need to find ways to say, hey, actually, it's okay to play and it's okay to play here. Um, that's what movement stacks are that's what our programs are we teach people hey you can find places to play everywhere and the way you want to play once they've
0: developed that new or once they've rediscovered that inquisitive mindset they start to look at their environment differently and then you go back to uh, the way you did it as a child
1: and their play you playing in public space like at your age you know at my parents age you give other people permission to play yeah because you're so old but um (laughs) (laughs) don't do that (laughs) um but by again it it increases like Julie angel talks a lot about this like you know you want to create you want to put images forth, normalized through visual experiences. Yes. What
0: what uh, what each of us, the, I'm talking to the listeners, now, what each of us is sharing, we're creating an image of the thing that we're doing. So if you only share a certain type of image or only tell a certain type of story yes. or only let a certain type of your personal parkour be spotted in public, then that's what you're creating.
1: Correct. And that's, so you think about all of our public spaces, what do you see people do in our parks? They lay around, they sit on benches, um, they use recreation fields specifically for their purposes, but there's nothing supporting play for adults. Like, you don't see adults often playing in public spaces, so there's no permission given for it in our experience of public space. So that's what we're trying to do through programs. Like, we bring adults into parks, and we're playing in front of other adults. And by other adults, it's giving them permission, and then they may do it, and they give other adults. So it's this hopefully a snowball effect.
0: So I want to keep digging into this idea about creating implicit, maybe even explicit with like movement snacks kind of signs, but implicit permission for people to play. And a very common theme, everybody has heard this, is when you say, well, we're going to try and get people to, and let's say uh, work out on a bench here. How many ways can you find to get over this bench? And then somebody immediately goes, but there's a risk of danger there. So how do we balance that perception of risk do we balance that perception of risk or do we try to dispel that perception
1: so i think a lot of people exaggerate the risk in their head um again a lot of if we do parkour specific there are already these kind of preconceived notions of what parkour is but even with play and jumping around any sort of rough housing there's always this kind of like aversion um and Across the board, and how I talk to city officials and uh, groups looking to implement something, for play or parkour, even in the form of programs, the concerns are always, you know, security and uh, safety of the participants or of the assets of the park, the infrastructure of the park, um, or even fear of legal repercussion. Um, however, I think that humans uh, are fairly. I have a very like, strong like, sense of self-preservation. And a lot of people are fairly cautious as it is to begin with, with their movement. Um, and I think that if we are constantly taking risk out of our play spaces and out of our parks in entirety, you're only going to get boring spaces. You know, risk gives you choice and it gives you opportunity to explore and challenge yourself. Um, and you, again, risk is a choice. And we have to learn how to negotiate acceptable and unacceptable risk in our lives. And so, play is a very safe space to learn how to do that. Um, so, like I said, if you remove it,
0: <laughs> right, you're taking the value out of the movement.
1: Exactly. And like I said, getting left with boring public spaces, boring playgrounds, like the out of the box systems that right. you see popping up everywhere. That, like, yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've been to a playground, you see, like, there's a giant colorful play structure thing and none of the kids are on it. They're actually over there in the, like playing <laughs> right. with the dirt and the stone, like whatever right. it is, or the metal that they found laying around about, like, yeah, because there's nothing.
0: Yeah, the the designers of that play space that we're talking about, they remove the creativity that was necessary in order to play so that the kids who are inherently creative and inherently seeking to fulfill that urge to be creative that they don't go at the play space they go at the picnic table
1: yeah exactly because there's more there's more of an open-ended question there to answer something creative um something worth exploring you're not being told what to do or how to do it
0: so obviously we're talking about western culture here because that's where we are Mm -hmm. and um in our culture along the way the normalcy of play just went away so if you are an adult and you're out balancing on a railing that's abnormal and that's going you're going to get sideways looks and glances so how do we get that back like how do we move people back to seeing humans balancing on a railing and just thinking that's normal
1: right absolutely um and that's exactly what we're trying to do with these kind of invitations i think that people need to uh, rediscover play for themselves if they're going to be tolerant of play coming from other people, um, and because again, there's such a strong disconnection from for so many people from what their bodies can actually do. Um, because again, their experience is going to work, sitting down all day. Um, they don't actually understand what the human body is capable of, right? Um, or what their human body like that. It's not it's not an exception to be able to balance and not, not except to be able to jump. Like everyone should be able to balance and jump and climb. That's your birthright. That's the way your body works. It's the universal human language, uh, movement. Um, so I think that the most important thing that needs to happen is, uh, creating these like very low risk, uh, very high accessible, like high accessibility, like opportunities and invitations to play, to move, um, in your public spaces that start to normalize play again, um, break the social norms, especially, like I said, because uh, for a lot of people, know this is changing with the emergence of social media uh, and these kind of like playful tech companies that are popping up and talking about having better, more playful, fun-oriented cultures. Um, a lot of people still have like a cubicle life experience or stuck behind a computer, and there's not a lot of room for creativity or play. Or any of these things, so there it's it's so absent from every other aspect of your life that it's hard to allow it from other people.
0: So inside parkour, there's something called parkour vision, and mm-hmm. people who you know, Caitlin's nodding. People who do parkour, are like yeah, 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 I know what that is, and I I call it obstacle attraction disorder, and <laughs> and this is where you and everybody does this. You're simply drawn to. Um, railings and walls and obstacles. And they they sort of have this inherent beauty that you see because you spot the inherent movement opportunities that are there. But along the way, I had to learn that. In the beginning, I had no idea what to do anywhere, anytime, because I didn't have my own built-in permission to play. Mm -hmm. So people who don't do parkour, this parkour vision is really central.
1: Absolutely. I think that um, parkour vision, and I wish again we had a different term so that we can pull more people to uh, right. When you say the P it, word, people know, go. I'm too I old know. for that. Uh, exactly, and it turns them off because they have this again idea of extreme athletic endeavor. Um, so play vision. There's, there's some other way I'm sure we can describe it, but basically, um, I think it's probably the most valuable thing anyone can learn from parkour, mm-hmm. and that uh, which is why I. I think that people should try parkour no matter what they're coming from, like architects, city planners. Uh, even people running companies, you know, this is gonna change the way you see your world. You know, this is no longer a sidewalk, this is my stage. Uh, this is no longer scaffolding, these are pull up bars, this is a jungle gym. Um, this is no longer a bench where I'm gonna sit, this is <laughs> right. my playground. I mean, I, go back to the I bench, go in the right? New York
0: City and I'm like, look at all this scaffolding. <laughs> but
1: for but for most people, their experience of New York City, and I hear this so many times when people come visit me, is there's this oppressiveness to the city. You know, it's oh, everything I, yeah. is paved and everything is you know, there's rules and I, I pedestrians walk on the sidewalk and the cars go here and the buildings go there and public, private, this, that. You know, it's everyone in its place and, you know.
0: Delineated
1: and explicit. out, right. And so, um, and then everything's policed. And, you know, so all of that, you know, leads this sense of oppression. So if you don't have this vision and like what this vision enables is you to walk out into your city and realize like, no, this isn't, this isn't somewhere I'm forced to be. Uh, this is a place of extreme opportunity. This is a playground. This is this is like the ultimate like place to live, the most joyful place to live, the most freeing place to live because I can now, everything here is a tool for me to explore and improve myself. Um, and that is really like, that is so powerful. And when you start to see your world as something more online, as like a tool and an obstacle to interact with, play with, you're going to take that lesson and look at, other obstacles in your life, you know, your relationships, your your job, your work, um, your health—even you know—all these things are going to be so strongly, ultimately affected by this tiny little change of yourself in your city or yourself. Change in of perspective, your, exactly. So uh, across the board, and again, that's what we're trying to do. The Movement Creative, even is how can we take these this really powerful um, idea, experience in parkour, and bring it to a larger group of people as a part of play because that's what play could do. And this is our look at play. So,
0: In a couple of the previous interviews, I've been talking about balance and sort of digging into flow state and finding, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, what some traditions call the infinite moment. Okay. And one way to access that is through balance. And I also think, this is my personal opinion, I also think you can access that same idea through parkour vision. So when you encounter a new space and you have that little momentary pause and you're looking at that space in a new light, mm-hmm. that almost seems to make time slow down. And I think you can also get into flow state that way by seeing the novelty in how you would interact with a space.
1: Absolutely. I think it also gives you a deeper appreciation for the spaces that you're in. And uh, I've talked to so many people who, when they experience parkour vision or they start to see it, and they take their first parkour class and they go out. Um, the whole world is kind of new to them. Where like before, and a lot of times people tune out when you walk, or I'm, again, I'm New York City. So people tune out when they walk around, they're on their phones or, you know, you don't, you stop paying attention to the, thing, the small details around you because they've always been irrelevant. But realizing that there's nothing irrelevant about your environment. And that right. you know, this isn't just a curb. This isn't just, you know, a barrier keeping me out of here. Like before where they were just like, uh, elements in your background that create the scenery, they're now, again, pieces of your playground. And uh, people talk about having these really um, powerful, almost spiritual uh, kind of experiences in public spaces and in everyday spaces uh, right after start learning how to do parkour because uh, they realize all these things that they've been missing out on.
0: Right, they've um, been they've been enabled. They were enabled originally, and somewhere they, along the way, they lost that, and then they've been enabled yes, again. And that's exactly. a very powerful and that's, feeling.
1: Uh, and that's exactly what you know. Having met so many people again, met so many people who had this experience, you just want to keep giving that experience to more people. And that's what these invitations are through our programming, through our design. Um, how can we keep inviting more people? to open their eyes, to uh, re-engage with movement, re-engage with play, um, and to start seeing the world m- as a much more richer place to live than what they might have otherwise perceived it to be. Um, again, you can rise above the oppression of New York City and realize it's a playground. That's that's powerful. I mean, that's gonna change the way you interact with your world and your life. And So as kids, um, We all had parkour vision. You know, we jumped on the couches and we climbed our countertops. Everything was our playground, right? right? right. (laughs) Um, But as we grew up, you know... uh, you get deeper into school, academics become competitive, you're you're dissuaded from play and moved into competitive sports. Right, there are only um, so many
0: hours, so yeah, why don't you, you do something to, that leads to a scholarship?
1: Exactly, you have to get into the college, and then when you're in college, you're competing for the best grades to get the best job, and then after, co- after college, you're uh, competing to get married faster than your peers, and right. have a kid, and have a house, and you know, there's all this, like, everything in your life is so syst- systemic, and it's... It's about achieving something.
0: Right. And anytime um, you want to do something different, you have to explain that. It's automatically exactly. assumed that you're going to be on the track. Yeah, and
1: then why would you do that if it's not going to help you get to that thing that everyone wants, obviously, right. because everyone wants it. Um, uh, I should say sarcastically. Um,
0: and when you get back into playing as an adult, you yes. rediscover what you set on the shelf exactly. 20, 30 years so ago. Exactly. So
1: that's like when you find parkour, some people find obstacle course racing or kepler, this like playfulness... Um You know, they realize that there's this thing about play that's very different than all these other aspects of our lives, and we're we're when you're competing or you're trying to be the best or trying to achieve something like winning is about winning you know you want to be number one you want to be better than everyone else. however, in play, winning is about belonging um it's about continuing to play it's about keeping the question open right. um, exploring more uh Collaborating, asking how can we do it different. You know, you're not you're not trying. Yeah, we've to all learned this someone. skill now.
0: Let's make it harder. I have to go over the bar, and then exactly
1: right? you're trying to grow together versus try to be better than one another. And that's very different in terms of mindset, outlook. Um, and again, if imagine like getting that that mindset of play, experiencing that play mindset again, uh, which is this parkour vision, this play right. mindset, right? Um, bringing that back into other aspects of your life, realizing like I don't have to compete. To win, like I can win by belonging. I can win by exploring. I can win by there's other.
0: Um... Yeah, there's certainly other places that it pays uh, great dividends. There's a there's yes. a deep aspect to how your mind works, and w- we all know that a lot of times you, you sleep on something and in the morning. You have the idea that solves the problem, but that goes even deeper. So when you play you're being creative in a continuous process. Yeah, it's and, a very
1: rich, like, social and cultural Right, exchange. if you can bring
0: that back into your work and mm-hmm. the way that you drive exactly. and the way that you walk and all the things you do normally, you could be operating at that deeper, yeah. uh, that that more rich level It also
1: changes your value system. You know, when you're, again, when you're playing to belong, when you're playing and facing things as challenges for yourself, um, imagine, like, if you were making decisions about your future not like pivoting from a place where you're saying, like, I need to be better than this person or I need to get a bit, like, I need to be the best on the top, whatever it is, right? That's what winning is. Um, but rather you're coming from a place, how can I grow myself um, without thinking about the other people in the room? What's what's best for me? What's most interesting? Um, what if we all followed our right. creative whim versus trying to beat out Joe over there? And,
0: right. So everybody talks about, I want more people to come out and train parkour with me. I want more adults. I want more kids. I want more mm-hmm. girls to show up, all these things. And I think the gateway to that is by encouraging and inviting more people to simply play.
1: Absolutely. And
0: there are a couple of examples of that. Like you can make up scavenger hunts mm-hmm. and get people to try and do that. But there's a really good one. I think it's from...
1: Greenville, uh, Greenville, South Carolina. Right. Yeah, so there is this project called Mice on Main, and uh, I believe it was a high school student came up with this idea to cast a bunch of uh, mice that are like maybe like a yes. foot big size of most. softball, right? Yeah, not very big at all. Um, and he put them all up and down the main street of the town, and uh, some like one was up high on like a, a light fixture, and one was down low, and there's they're all over, right? And so. People are go to this town now, and they walk around and they they go hunting for these mice because they know they're there. And all the shops like tell people like, "Oh, did you find the mice on Maine?" And you know what you see is people walking around, laughing, like in these like fits of joyous surprise. You can you know when someone has found one. I mean, uh, I I heard about this uh, from an author named Peter uh, Kagayama. He writes this book called uh, Le... Love Where You Live, sorry. Uh, Really great book about activating your community through play. Um, But, you know, you have people, like, squatting down, getting on their toes, taking pictures. You know, this is a really small way that people are trying to use their bodies, even. Um, Think about how you can take that idea and, like, use that in your town. Like, what are the cute little cool features um, that make your town uniquely yours? And how can you create a project that, like, marks them out and has people hunting around for them. Right. Literally
0: invites them to interact with it, interact with Mm -hmm. their world.
1: And that's like, going back to the idea of like, people see sometimes walking as work. How can you, how can you uh, reassociate movement with positive feelings? For a lot of people, they don't have positive feelings towards movement. So, uh, if if I walk around a city and I'm laughing and I'm having fun, I'm probably for one of the rare times associating movement with this, like, walking and with, like, joy and laughter and play and, that'll make me want to do it more. Um, So that was a very tiny project, low budget, and it had a huge impact. And I think there's lots of little things like that through art, through music, um, even through signage, you know, there is another project that uh, a student put up a bunch of signs telling people how, like, it's seven minutes to walk here and 10 minutes right. to walk five there. five blocks to
0: this. And, exactly.
1: Yeah. And, and just, like, stuck them off, no permission, walking.
0: and then people started following the signs, and yeah. then eventually somebody said, what are these signs here? Let's take them down. And then there was, like, social outcry, because, no, we like our signs.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's turned into a project called Walk Your City, if you're interested. But um, so really small things can get people just moving in a way that's going to have them happy and moving. And if you get people happy and moving they will look for more opportunities to be happy and moving, which will bring them to you.
0: Right, to your parkour class. Hopefully. To the, yeah, to the, to the class <laughs> or that or you created things. for over 40s or they yeah. play handball or this. And
1: honestly, it doesn't have to come to you because at the end of the day, what we all want is to see more of us moving and, and using our bodies and sharing in this universal language, right? So um, even if it ends up just encouraging more people to move, you, you're accomplishing the greater goal ultimately, right? Why else do you want people at parkour? It's to have them celebrate being human
0: movement continuing talking to people who are running some sort of community or a parkour group or they're coaching or teaching and a lot of people have ideas i would like to and and it's a good idea they want to put some scaffolding in the park or they want to pay to help fix the benches or something yes how do those people go from having an idea to actually getting that done and i bring this up because you work for the new york city parks Parks Department. department yes
1: um, so, I think the first step, whenever you have a great idea or a project you want to bring to life, is to find partners. There are so many people in your community, outside of your immediate community, so interested in improving the where the place where you live. So, uh, try to get the word out. Go to community board meetings. I mean, that's really popular in New York. Um, but other find find other active arts groups. Um, yeah, like of in my local
0: community, there's like a regular monthly meeting of citizens at the library. Yes,
1: exactly, exactly. So find those groups and bring your ideas there and get feedback, you know, start the process and make it shown that it's not just, especially if you're coming from the position of parkour, this is not just about parkour, this is about everyone in the community and this will benefit everyone in the community and you care about everyone in the community. That's really important. Um, find some people to on board with you, to experiment with you, to brainstorm and then Take it to the next step, find people in government. Um, A lot of uh, communities have advocates uh, trying to engage their community, the people, their citizens living in it, Um, and present your ideas. Honestly, the best thing you can do is have as many partners, build support before you bring it before people.
0: Right, and the the more that you can come out at the first iteration with ideas and solutions as opposed Mm to, I think we should have X.
1: Yes, exactly. You
0: know, let's do that. And then the person you're talking to says, well, how are we going to do that? So the more more you can work up the idea and have solutions for the idea.
1: Yeah, and also don't... You can have your pie in the sky idea, but also make sure you have a couple of more like budget-friendly, reasonable... Uh, I could do it tomorrow by running to Home Depot uh, with 500 bucks. Right. Uh, you know, sometimes yeah, I think it's just... they call that
0: the garden hose solution? It's yep, like we that have a park what... and the park mm-hmm. should have a water feature to it because the kids want to play in it, but we don't have any money. So the neighbor who lives next door bought two garden hoses and ran them across yes, and like exactly. tied them to a the tree and look, you know, it's a, a play water park.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, that's another thing from Peter's book. Uh, and it's, I think it's a brilliant way of approaching a problem um, and testing an idea in your community without your community having to have full buy-in yet. Yeah. so come with ideas big and small on the on the spectrum and uh, don't be afraid to pitch something smaller to get it done and make a proof of concept before you go for the
0: right and to demonstrate that you can run. follow through and that exactly. you're really committed to the community not just that you're you know, a partner popping to the community. up right?
1: exactly you're not just using them to get your agenda pushed right
0: and of course the final question is three words to describe your practice
1: so I submitted this answer to your website uh, a few months ago and I wrote, that my practice is sustainable, playful, and collaborative, mm-hmm. and it definitely is. But more than that, now it's definitely become about um, we we're talking about earlier inv- inviting others to join me. So where I've gotten so much that I've needed right of my practice, my practice is now about getting other people to join in. Um, whether it's from like even just saying, "Hey, like, can I join you in that challenge?" or "Want to try this." to the movement snacks where they're-
0: You're trying to facilitate the community to exactly, join you. Exactly. Even figuratively join you when you're not actually there.
1: So that that's really what my practice today is about. It's about getting others to come out and play.
0: Well, thank you very much, Caitlin. Yeah, thank you. And of course, there's a website. Visit World for this episode's notes and transcript. The site also has writing from people around the world and everything is available in a dozen languages.